Book One, Chapter Fifteen of Clara Vaughan, Volume One. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Ellen Preckle. Clara Vaughan, Volume One by R. D. Blackmore. Book One, Chapter Fifteen. One cold day in March, when winter had come to say good-bye with a roar, after wheeling the sofa with my mother upon it toward the parlour fire, I went out to refresh my spirit in the kitchen, with Mrs. Huxtable, and to yat myself, for the sofa took all the parlour fire by the fragrant hearth of the wood and firs. The farmer's wife was learning me some strange words of her native dialect, which I was now desirous to discourse, and which she declared to be the only vitty talk all the lave of the zicky stoof same as the carnishers of the dummersets and the learners tolls up arl sticky no more nor a passel of gibberish miss clarer not the vitty arl no nor english nother instead of saying ay like a kirsten coming to zoy and some some say ay in the middle of her lecture and just as i had learned that to quilty is the proper english for to swallow and that the passage down which we quilty is correctly speaking not the throat but the idzel pipe a strange-looking individual darkened the drachstool, corruptly called the threshold, and crossed the planche, or floor, to the fireplace where we sat. Turning round, I beheld a man about fifty years old of moderate stature, gauntly bodied and loosely built, and utterly reckless of his attire. His face was long and thin, the profile keenly aquiline, and the angles made yet sharper by a continual twitching and tension of the muscles. The skin of his cheeks was drawn, from his solemn brows to his lipless and down-turned mouth, tight and hollow, like the bladder on a jam-pot. His eyes, of a very pale blue, seemed always to stand on tiptoe, and never to know what he was going to say. A long, straight, melancholy chin, grisly with patches of hair, was meant by nature to keep his mouth shut, and came back sullenly when it failed. Over his shoulders was flung a patched potato-sack, fastened in front with a wooden skewer, and his nether clothes were as ragged as poetry in his air and manner self-satisfaction strove hard with solemn reserve upon the whole he reminded me of an owl who has lost his heart to a bantam hen i cannot express him justly but those who have seen may recognize beany daw the sawyer acknowledged the bard of the north of devon mr ebenezer daw without any hesitation or salute took a three-legged stool and set it between our chairs then looked from mrs huxtable to me and introduced himself well here be us three and i ops us shall agree agree indeed cried mrs huxtable don't need thee the quarrel to be here you all vool then turning to me don't be scared miss clear it be only that there old mazed rascallion beany daw her mac what curt scholard like you calls poetry or some such stuff Er cast him open de door of him now how, but what he must spake poetry. Pot indeed. No Tino, I'd put un out of us if I was to wave of un deeds all beany daw. That be all the name he hath earned for his raming and rubbish. And too good for un too. Ram, ram, drash, drash, like two carrot cocks in a barn. Oi fay, oi fay, and I might have aimed two shillings a day at his zider the subject of these elegant strictures regarded her all the time with that pleased pity which none but a great poet so placed can feel then swinging slowly upon his tripod and addressing the back of the chimney he responded poor fool her don't know what a straight it is hair to be a poet nor a hunter lawyer perhaps his lofty couplet charmed her savage ear at any rate she made a peaceful overture 
Whom now, Mr. Daw, will ye have a few broth? He assented with an alacrity much below his dignity. Tatties and cider, maid, and a broth of you. Will zin you ax I, I'll not answer no. Ye shan't have no cider, replied his hostess, without ill speak for once like a Kirsten, mayn't that, without no more a thicky jingle jangle, the very same for all the world as he be used to drone in the zopit, zee saw Marjorie daw, with the arms of a, a grain up, and a doon up, and doon, and your eyes and your mouth most choked with film, and a face of ve a turning like a teapot, and never a drop of out this as the crickles of your back. That's the steech ye pots be in, in Sawyer's. As she delivered this comment, she swung to and fro in her chair, in weak imitation of the impressive roll with which he enforced his rhyme. This plagiarism annoyed him much more than her words, but he vindicated his cause like a true son of song. And if so happen be a pout grand, they needn't jaw, cause they don't understand. A pout like an omen or a bell must have his clack out and camp out his cell. A mighty ha-ha from the door, like a jocund earthquake, proved that this last hit had found an echo in some ample bosom. "'They shall have as much vittles as ever they can let down,' said the farmer as he entered. "'Danged if he bain't a wonderful fine chap, sir, enough. Eight as leave, most almost a poach, please God, as I would be an omen. Zimp, do I. There bain't much differ atwixt em. But they veins out a sate of things. Us tax no heed on, I reckon now. Beanie, these can't drink beer?' this was a home thrust for mr daw was a notorious drinker he replied with a heavy sigh and profoundly solemn look ah no ah no unless when i be forced by raisin doctor saith my stomach bein exhaust and what was it that the doctor said to you mr daw i asked perceiving that he courted inquiry he fixed his eyes upon me with a searching look eager as it seems yet fearing to believe that he had found at last a generous sympathy "'Twas more nor three months since I ditched a trap, "'when I was compelled to consult the doctor chap. "'It saith, saith he, tain't no good now this year, "'O Ebenezer Daw, you must take beer.' "'These words he repeated with impressive earnestness, "'shaking his head and sighing, "'as if in deprecation of so sad a remedy. "'Yet the subject possessed perhaps a melancholy charm, "'and his voice relented to a pensive unctuousness, "'as he concluded, "'Tack beer, I says, Lord, I done all the way.' "'Then you must learn, says eh, this blessed day. "'You and God, he says, a dangerous sinking gear. "'Your constitution do require beer.' "'It wasn't long afore they tried it. "'I'll warrant, said the farmer, "'tack the calf away the coo. "'Scorning this vile insinuation, Mr. Daw continued thus. "'For after that, mayhap a month or so, "'I was going home the day as might be no. "'I had thought a hell em up for farmer yo, "'and I felt my stomach going to turbo low.' He cried and scorned like a child left in the dark, and a maze like in my head and a mandering in my bark. So when I had come to the root of Breckneck Hill, I did the public kept by pewter will. The very light showed in the glasses on the bar, and home danced and twinkled like the evening star. Here he paused, overcome by his own description. Well, said the farmer, brightening with the fellow feeling, for he liked his glass, we'll detuned in and out a trap like a man, and not be ashamed of it, another. And how did her task? I must have been a nash and good after so long a drouth. Come down me dort like the queen and princess royal. The very sam is a drap of oil. The very sam, the very sam, he repeated with an extrametrical smack of his lips, which he wiped with the back of his hand and cast a meaning glance toward the cellar. The farmer rose and took from the dresser a heavy quart cup made of pewter, 
with this he went to the cellar whence issued presently a trickling and frothing sound which thrilled to the sensitive heart of mr daw the tankard of ale with a crown of white foam was presented to the thirsty bard by his host who did not however relinquish his grasp upon the vessel but imposed like pluto to orpheus a stern condition now beanie daw thee shan't have none unless thee can say summit without no poetry in it at this barbarous restriction poor ebenezer rolled his eyes in a most tragic manner he thrust his tongue into his cheek and swung himself not to and fro as usual but sideways and clutched one hand in the tatters of his sack while he clung with the other to the handle of the cup then with a great effort and very slowly he spoke if my poor vassals only makes you frown i'll try ye's fay i will to keep em a rhyme came over him the twitching of his face showed the violence of the struggle he attempted to say in but nature triumphed and he uttered the fatal down in a moment the farmer compressed his mighty fingers and crushed the thick metal like silver paper the forfeit liquor flew over the poet's knees and hissed at his feet in the ashes foreseeing a storm of verse from him and of prose from mrs huxtable at the fate of the pride of her dresser i made a hasty retreat thenceforth i took a kind interest in our conceited but harmless bard his neighbours seemed not to know how long it was since he had first yielded to his unfortunate ailment which probably owed its birth to the sound of the saw during our first interview his rhythm and rhyme had been unusually fluent and finished from pride perhaps at having found a new audience or from some casual inspiration candour compels me to admit that his subsequent works were little if at all better than those of his more famous contemporaries and i am not so proud as he expects me to be of his connection with my sad history End of chapter 15